Blog Talk Radio. General Quarters, Security Condition 3. Thank you. Security 3, sir. General Quarters 3, Intruder Alert. GQ 3, Intruder Alert.
Madam Perry? Can you hear me? Just barely. Can you hear me? Okay. Better. All right. Better. Okay. Better. All right. All right. Oh boy. Sorry, you're coming in. I'm getting a little bit of static. Um. I'm actually coming to you from uh, an undisclosed location in Detroit. Um, I'm working working right now. But um, if you can hear me all right, I will just go ahead and start. Yes, can you hear me better now? Yes, can you hear me better now? Yes, yes, very, very much. Yes, all right. Yes. All right, we are the Wolfpack Authors, um, an intersectional group of authors from all genres, all walks of life, and from all all around the globe. Um, we met on Twitter. Um, it it started as kind of a kind of a running joke between myself and another author based on a based on a, a Hangover movie reference, um, and it just kind of spiraled from there. Um, and what I hoped would turn into a, a marketing group for marketing all of our all of our different books. Um, yeah quickly grew into friendship. Um, and with that, you know, I became the leader of the Wolfpack authors. And my mantra with that is just do good things for people and it will be returned to you. So to that end, um, we, we've gone ahead and written a, an anthology um, that is the proceeds of which are going to charity. And subject to that, I defer to any further questions. So now, um, say again. Oh, it is Once Upon a Wolf Pack, um, a Wolf Pack author's anthology. All right. And who can who can you? Oh no, actually, it was. Uh, it was a conversation between um, one of our authors, Joe Congle, and uh, Z Gottlieb, um, and I was brought into an email conversation uh, about this idea, and I'm just, we just kind of ran with it. We we brought it up to the group, and everyone said, "Wow, that sounds like a great idea. Let's do it." Um, I, I can say that I didn't know that it was going to be quite this amount of work. Uh, when I when I started, but I am incredibly thankful to have had the opportunity to do it because I have learned so much about about publishing and marketing as a resu- or, and you know putting together an anthology as a result of reading or of uh, working on this project. Let me ask you this, Jeff. Let me ask um, Right now. 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 Right now.
What what kind of it? What kind of what, query? What kind of it? What kind of query did you put on Twitter? And I'm so on glad Twitter. you said that. I'm so glad you said that. speaker because I think that was the problem. Sorry. Sorry about that. Can you hear me okay now? Yeah, I can hear you perfectly. Oh, okay, good. Because you were breaking up there pretty, pretty uh, bad. I had to, I had to move my location. Sorry. Okay. Can you hear me now? Okay. Now? Okay. Yeah. All right. Better? Yeah. Okay. We're good. So, um, All right, sorry, sorry. Go on. That's okay. So um, you've been writing since you were about nine. Started bad poetry. I've heard that from a lot of good authors. They know how they started writing bad poetry, and I'm sure it wasn't that bad. <laughs> and so a couple. Well, of sadly, some of it did. Some of it did get submitted and and accepted in places, and you know, from there, I just kind of, I just kind of stopped, and life went on. several or few of the authors how many authors are actually in this anthology um in the anthology we have 16 contributors and then plus i wrote a foreword and the uh the um owner of the nonprofit that we're donating to uh, lockwood animal uh, rescue center wrote a foreword for us as well so technically we've got 17 contributors um, 16 of which are part of the Wolfpack authors. Um, and then in, in the entire group, we have, we have close to 40 authors that, you know, we're on Twitter, uh, marketing for one another, creating graphics, uh, things like that. Well, right here, we ha- also have here in the genie bottle with us here at Madame Perry Salon, we have uh, Z Gottlieb. 
and Luna Sellis. And I'm going oh, to good. Say hello. Uh, Z? Z Gottlieb? Luna? I'm here. Hey, Luna. Good to meet you. It's great to meet you. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much. Well, I'm Madam Barry, and I am so glad. It looks like I barely missed you because I just moved away from Asheville two months ago. Oh, dang. Why would you do that? <laughs> it is a great place. I love it. I've been there 10 years. Where did you move to, man? I don't know. Well, uh, I don't know how we missed each other. Um, oh, dang. The same place we were at. And also, let me see. Let me bring in another uh, another one of your cohorts, and let's see. Okay. Zeke Gottlieb. Yeah, I'm here. Hey, how you doing? I'm fine. I it, I'm I'm pleased to be here. Uh, thank you for you know representing uh, our organization and bringing you know tell, letting people know about the book. Well, I'm absolutely thrilled. Be, um, thrilled. You've got just pretty much everything I like: books, reading, wolf, um, something that benefits the veterans. These are all the things that I, you know, that, that are, um, these are things that are very, very important to me, very precious. So um, I know that some of you, maybe all of you, are going to read uh, from your work from uh, Once Upon a Wolf tonight. And let me see. Oh, wait a minute. You know what? Uh, Z, would you do me a favor? Sure. Since we're here in the in the virtual genie bottle, would you reach over and part the beaded curtain? Because I think Stanley Brown is coming in. Or maybe Stefan. <laughs> Hi, welcome, I, Madam Perry. And I am here. And this is it's kind of dark in here. I can't tell. Are you Stanley? Right, I am. I am. I'm here. All right, great. Good. The whole pack. And um, I, I will say, this is, this is Jeff. I, I'm absolutely tickled pink because I, you know, I've talked to a handful, a handful of members on the phone, but mostly our communication is limited to, uh, you know, group chat, emails. So for for a few, uh, this is the first time I've hear I'm hearing their voice. Same here. Yeah, same here. Uh, S- same for me. Nice to I talk. Want, to I want to say hello. This, this is Stanley. I want to say hello to the other pack members. Hi, Stanley. This is Luna. Hi, Luna. Hi, Luna. Yeah. It's good to meet you. Um, via yeah, audio, well. anyway. Hey, Z. Yeah, this is Z. I just want to know if my voice uh, sounds as short as I really am. <laughs> you sound full-bodied, madam. You sound, you sound very tall to me. Yeah. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very tall. Very, very Bahati Prinsley tall, you know. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and see, one of the things she said that, that I really love about this is that, um, you know, I say Madame Perry Salon. It was supposed to be a callback to cultural salons of, of the past. There'd be a woman, somebody taking for the art who would bring different authors and musicians and artists into her home to share what they were working on, and that was her salon. And so this way I'm able to have yes. And so many people that, uh, that's one of the great things about uh, 
things like Twitter net, and, uh, Twitter net, excuse me, Twitter, or different types of social media for the internet, is that people, you guys, came together. You met on Twitter. Um, as I was telling Jeffrey earlier, um, I teach a group on uh, DIY book publicity, and it's really more of a coaching group. And last night we worked all on Twitter. We had a Twitter party, but I tried to explain to them. I have <laughs> on Twitter, I've gotten them booked into clubs, gotten free food delivered to the uh, to the event, um, free publicity. Oh, wow. Just from people that I've met, getting, get, I've gotten people on television shows, just for things with people that I've met on Twitter. Wow, and that's impressive. As well as... When, when's your next class? Say what? Right. <laughs> when's your next class? That's a small group. So I'm doing these small coaching groups, and we go for a few weeks, and you can jump in any time and see how you like it and test it out. And uh, because these are people that are are writers of varying degrees of success, but we all bring something to support each other and teach. So, yeah, 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 you guys should come. And everybody does. That sounds really interesting. Mm -hmm. Here's the deal. Um, so, yes, I think that's a wonderful You guys, have, some of you have never heard each other's voices, but you've met through social media, and I'm glad that you're I'm thrilled that you're here, actually. In fact, Luna, do you know where we? I would have, if I could just transport you, like, through a transporter right now, you know where I would take everyone here, Jeffrey and Jeffrey? I would love to know. Huh? Where would you take us? I and Stanley, I would take you all to Battery Park Book Exchange. Oh, it's a great oh place. I love Battery Park and the bookstore. Yes. Yeah, and I've booked a lot of client events there, especially the Middle Earth Room. And, cause it's just and hey, you can bring dogs. So, uh, Absolutely. <laughs> my favorite places. So anyway, so um, tell me all about your work. Who wants to read first? Crickets. <laughs> Or when my or when my band members used to get wild, I go, Don't make don't make JP up a spank bank. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I think we ought to do a part two of this tomorrow night. I got a feeling you guys have a lot more to tell than I can get into this one hour. Oh boy, howdy. You may have to come That's, back. Uh, you may have to Wolfpack Part 2. Uh, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll go ahead and uh, and read uh, a part of my forward um, that I did, and and then I'm going to read part of uh, part of um, Lauren Linder, uh, Doctor Doctor Lindner is the uh, is the um, owner of of Lark, and you know it, it just gives a good description. Um, of her of her work with wolves and veterans. Um, so I'm gonna read I'm gonna read those two and that should that should just kinda kinda help help out and then Z can hop in and then we can just we can just go off from there. Sound good? Alright. A head in the clearing, an elk dips its head for a scarce mouthful of grass still wet with early morning dew. The grasses no longer grow as they once did and the elk are starving. There is a rustle in the distance. A wolf stalks low. A small male elk tenses his muscles, ready to bolt. 
From his flank, teeth tear through hide and muscle down to bone. The ensuing carnage feeds the pack, but that's only the start. Bears and hawks, big cats, and scavengers all have their fill. The other elk, the ones that got away, serve a crucial purpose, too. More specifically, their hooves. Thanks to the wolves, the elk run faster and farther. Their hooves aerate the ground, causing the grass to grow once more, firming vegetation along riverbanks, causing meandering rivers to straighten their paths. Death is an ugly thing, but beautiful, too, sometimes even helpful. Writers often deal in death, or equally as disturbing materials. Words have the powers to destroy, but they can also change, heal, rally, or build. Words are a force unto themselves, often with favorable, favorable yet unforeseen and unintended consequences. Let us hope that words, as well as wolves, dangerous as they may appear, are, understand, are understood as a force for good. And I'll skip over to uh, Dr. Lind- Lindner's uh, forward. Um, Lark, Lockwood Animal Rescue Center, is the permanent home to wolves and wolf dogs and also provides work therapy for veterans who care for these animals, both needing time to heal from their injuries and suffer at the hands of humans. Our purpose is to help, is to help wolves who have nowhere else to go but sanctuary and to help veterans regain a sense of purpose by helping them be of service again to the animals. More veterans have died in recent years by committing suicide after returning from war than from actual combat, and the relationships they develop with wolves have proven to be therapeutic for both species. So, and that's all I've got for, for right now. That's right, and, um, wow, that was nice. Yeah, well, thank you. Worked for or first associated with Lockwood Animal Rescue? Um, that was me that that found that charity, and it was one of those it was one of those Facebook Jedi mind things. Like I was thinking about it, and then it just popped up in my newsfeed, and I, I'm just like, I don't know how that happened, but that's exactly what I was thinking about. So I was looking for a charity associated with wolves and veterans. And, like, I wasn't even looking. I was just thinking about it. Um, and I think maybe we discussed it on Twitter. Um, and, and, bam, just popped up. Synchronicity, Jeff. I know, right? So, just so since we're uh, moving ahead in time here, um, Luna, would you like to read next? I would love to. No, I would love to. Um, I just uh, have a about three minutes prepared for my submission in the anthology. It's called True Nature. Is that too long or is that okay? Are we there? Yes, yes. Go right ahead. Okay. All right. Thank you. So um, the name of of the piece is True Nature. And I write urban fantasy, so... If you're not into this, I apologize. <laughs> I thought it was your nature. Thank you so much. You're wonderful. It's why you're <laughs> who you are, Jeffrey. So, oh, good. With, with only three houses, Faye Street in Independence is quiet and secluded. Even so, with a vampire and a werewolf for neighbors, evenings can be less than relaxing. Not that either one would harm me, quite the opposite. The three of us enjoy a warm friendship. Not literally, plan being dead and all, but you know what I mean. We like spending time together. 
We are family by choice. And like a couple of big brothers, the boys love to tease me. Take tonight, for instance. Wolfgang and I were lounging on his not-quite-ratty sofa when Flan, thin, pale, and ginger-haired, suddenly appeared right in front of me. I managed not to shriek, but I gave a start that nearly sloshed the doers out of my glass. Damn it, Flan. His wan lips curled into a satisfied smile. I am already quite damned, thank you. I glared at the vampire, then scowled at Wolf. Why don't you ever jump when he does that? Like his canine aspect, Wolfgang's human form is lean and long, his graying hair reflecting the color of his warfare. His, he, covered his, <clears throat> he, sorry, he covered his sheepish look by savoring his whiskey for a moment. I smell him before I see him. Well, this is news to me. Oh, and here I was admiring your nerves as seal. Flan looked miffed. So just what are you saying? His affronted tone made me laugh. <laughs> I think he's saying you stink. It was Flan's turn to glower. I'm dead, not dirty. Wolf grinned and reached into the small cabinet that serves as his bar. It's not like that. He poured a stiff shot of whiskey into a glass, adding a bit to his own. He waved the bottle at me. Brighty? I'm good, thanks. Wolf handed the glass to Flan. It's not like smelling an odor. It's more like picking up on an energy signature. It's almost like smelling a vibration. I don't know how else to explain it. We tease him about being a night owl. But like Wolfgang, Flan's other form is a wolf. My pasty ginger friend complains that he would prefer to fly on bat's wings rather than run on all fours. I tell him I'd love to be a natural blonde. But like lack of equal pay for women, I live with the disappointment. Mm. Our host raised his glass. Prost. Flan and I raised our drinks. Slangeva. Good health, Flan mused. <laughs> a little late for me, that. I gave him a confused look. Huh? How much healthier can you get than being immortal? Wolf gave a short laugh. Huh. You both have me beat. The best I can hope for is not counting my life in dog years. I slipped my, sipped my drink and felt good fire flew down my throat. It's not always a good thing, living on and on. I could tell you stories. Flan nodded. Your own? I shook my head. Not yet. Family, though. Well, Wolf shrugged and looked at Flan. At least you don't have to worry about being poisoned or shot or drowned. Flan snorted. <laughs> no, it's just the burning, decapitation, and stakes through the heart. Recent events considered. The discussion was making me uneasy. It's getting late, guys, I said to change the subject. Are we watching Rear Window tonight or not? Thank you. That is, that is great. Um, that was Luna reading from Did I pronounce your name correctly? Sellis? You got Luna Sellis, yes. Okay. Uh, reading from Thank you. Nature, true Nature from Once Upon a Wolf Pack. And that is so good. Urban fantasy with a good sense of humor. I try. I like I, I'm known as a, a sarcastic person. Well, they use a different word, but you know. <clears throat> We're all adults here, and uh, we love yourself. <laughs> it rhymes with witch. <laughs> um, also, if you want to, anyone listening or downloading the show that wants to, uh, and I'm sure this is okay for me to give to the public, their blog is, is wolfpackauthorstory.blogspot.com. And I'll be sharing that on all of my social media. So you can find that wolfpackauthorstory.blogspot.com. 
and learn more about not just this book, but about all the authors involved in it and their other work. And it's pretty rather impressive. All right. Um, that brings me to somebody that I've been wanting to talk to, well, at least hear their voice in, in person in cyberspace for a long time. And you know who I'm talking about. I won't say their name, but their initials are Z Gottlieb. <laughs> me? <laughs> what? Yes. <laughs> Are you gonna do the whole thing in French for me? Because I'm way I'll be way behind, but <coughs> French <laughs> I got an issue here. <coughs> Would do you want me to read uh five hundred words? Or do you want me to just talk? Well, it's just up to you if you want to talk about what you've written and how you wrote it or if you would like to read. This is this is a place for you to share your work in your voice, if you wish. Okay. Well, Wolf cried. Brad felt his body sink into the shaking earth. He moaned from a sharp pain in his side. Suddenly, someone grabbed him and pulled him away. Brad, wake up! Wake up! You're dreaming. Brad opened his his eyes to Shinny shaking him. He pushed her away and looked into his eye. The disheveled. <clears throat> his, his, I'm sorry, looked into his disheveled wife's worried eyes. I, I'm up. What's wrong? You were having a bad dream. Are you well? The pain subsided as Brad rubbed the left side of his torso. I, I'm fine. The dream was a bit too real. What did you dream? I dreamt I was the alpha of a wolf pack. We were being hunted across a plateau that ended in sheer cliff. The pack was depending upon me, but the hunters injured me. I felt it was in over my head and couldn't escape. Brad paused for a moment. We were going to die. Why in the universe would you suddenly dream of wolves? Brad choked down an urge to laugh. <clears throat> he wasn't sure what was unusual at this point, since he found out the love of his life was an alien. It was strange. I'm not sure it meant anything. Did you recognize the cliff? No, I have no idea if it's on Earth or another planet. It's Earth. Wolves are indigenous to Earth only. Shinny leaned over to look at the clock on Brad's nightstand. Do you want to stay home today? No. I promised Connor I would pick up his projects while he was out of the office. I also have my own software projects I need to complete before he gets back to the office tomorrow. Brad looked at the clock. We might as well get up. That isn't what I meant. Connor wouldn't expect you to be in the office if you thought there was a problem. I know what you meant. I'm fine. Do you think your dream was a warning about anything? Suggested Shinny. Brad threw off the co covers in exasperation and stood up. No. I told you what I know. If I thought there was a reason for concern, I would have shared it with you. I'm just trying to understand. You're not the only one. As far as I can tell, my so-called precognition is useless, especially when the dreams are as nonsensical as this. Shinny stood up and brushed her dark blonde shoulder-length hair away from her face. She walked over to Brad and kissed him on the cheek. I'm sorry. I, I did not mean to upset you. I'll go make the coffee. Thanks. Brad returned the kiss and headed off to the shower. Brad was on edge throughout the whole day but couldn't put his finger on why. Feeling unsettled, he sat down on the moist ground near the twelfth hole. Over the years, he used the neighborhood golf course as his retreat when he needed to think about something. He stared towards the star-filled sky. There was definitely 
something that was causing him to feel uncomfortable. And I guess people will have to buy the book to find out what it was making him feel uncomfortable. That's it for me. I'm sorry. I said, I'm sorry, did I say thank you? (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, thank you for having me on the show. You said you were going to keep us on. We'd have to read the read the rest of the story to start to find out how it ends. Oh yes, I mean you are supporting the wolves and the veterans. All the proceeds will go towards uh, Lark. Yeah, so that's what I was saying. So that was Dee Gottlieb reading from her story Wolf Cry from the anthology Once Upon a Wolf Pack, and of course proceeds go to Hell Lockwood Animal Rescue. So much. Don't go away. I don't want anybody to go away. You guys are a crazy bunch. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but is it just a little later? I feel like you guys are getting a little spurrier, but that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> um, I'm perfectly happy with that. So, um, Z, how long have you been writing? Um, You know... I did it when I was younger in school and then stopped. And about four years ago, I just decided I was going to write a book. So, I, you know, um, I, I'm probably about as old as Georgia O'Keeffe when she decided she wanted to paint. <laughs> so this might be my like my third career. philosophy a lot as an attitude. What about it and ask you, Luna, how long have you been writing? Oh, gosh. Um, I think the first thing I wrote was in middle school, and it was actually a little story for a, uh, we used to have, you know, announcements on the intercom. I'm that old. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, we would have students once in a while would uh, be able to, to write little series of works and my my character was a mild mannered Millard Milksop and he was a um kind of long before Urkel was ever thought of. He was kind of an Urkel type person and I got to do a little snippet of of his life in school each week for announcements. So that was my first foray and then I didn't do a lot for a long time after that and I'm kinda of followed Z's um pattern and and I went back and picked it up again, you know, years later. But uh, it's satisfying. It's just, uh, you know, it's, it's just as one of those things where it's satisfying and frightening at the same time. But kind of, I guess, kind of any profession is that. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, you know, next, it's, it's, we're going to um, definitely want to get in while we hear another of the excellent contributors to Once Upon a Wolf Pack, and that is. Stanley Brown. Stanley? Hi. Well, I have to confess something. I, I don't really have a uh, a short story in this anthology. Uh, what I did was I contributed to it as an editor. Uh, so if you don't mind, and I was invited to the program today, I'd like to read something from one of my um, published novels. Uh, this one comes from, uh, it's published last April, April of 2018. Is that Okay. Okay. 
Well, let me give you a little background. This is uh, uh, the first of my trilogy. The trilogy is called Stone, The Stonehenge Chronicles, and this novel is the first. It's called Veiled Memory, and it's a sci-fi fantasy uh, contemporary, uh, meaning that it takes place in this world in our time. And uh, just to tell you a little bit about the trilogy, um, by the time I'm finished with the trilogy, you will know exactly how Stonehenge came to be and why it came to be. And I've just submitted the second of the trilogy to my publisher, and it should it will be published uh, uh, right before Thanksgiving this year. But I'm going to read uh, uh, part of Chapter 1. I like writing prologues, but I'll just start with Chapter 1. And my uh, protagonist is a professor of Celtic history at Cornell University. So the first scene, Chapter 1, takes place um, there. So let me start reading with that a little bit of background. Madeline Allen stood at the tall filing cabinet staring out the window that gave her a spectacular view of Ithaca, New York's business district. A frozen haze lay over the valley at the southern tip of Cayuga Lake, nearly obliterating the small town. She had run up the stairs to her office in record time, anticipating her coming visitor. In minutes, half the contents of the middle drawer lay scattered on the floor, but she hadn't found what she, what she needed. The papers in these drawers were essential to her ongoing research, but she hadn't bothered with the other files since her days at Columbia University 19 years earlier. Most of the material chronicled her education in linguistics and archaic languages. Life had taken many twists since those carefree days, marriage, full-time work, another graduate degree, a desperate flight to protect the lives of her unborn triplet daughters. She withdrew two more folders, examined the articles in them, them, and dropped them to the floor. They slid a little on the slick towel, the contents of the folders spilling out. With both hands buried in the drawer, she turned and checked the wall clock. 8.30. He would be there any minute. Gordon Toop had called last night. The subject of the call had been on her mind of late, but that it could also be on his mind done to her. By the end of the conversation, the reason for his call still eluded her. He had prodded her most sensitive nerve, alluding to things he shouldn't have known. The question of how much he knew had kept her up all night. The topic worried her like no other. She removed a folder titled Runic Symbols. It contained articles on the rune alphabet common to early Britain, circa 2nd century A.D., She'd authored most of them, but, but found two her coming visitor had written. She set one aside and began leafing through the other, but before she could make any headway, she heard a distinctive thump, thump, thump. It grew louder, making its way up the corridor. She turned towards the closed office door. Madeline knew him by reputation through a scholarly interest they shared. She owned all of his books, and most of his other research papers. She had never met him, but she knew he was old, nearing 80, but still working at Northeastern University in Boston. His call had been unexpected, his offer even more so. 
an invitation to speak at a conference. She already knew about the venue, Manhattan, and had to respectfully decline. Her reason was personal, as it always was with talk of the city. Before she knew it, she had talked. Uh, he had talked her into this meeting, said he was in Ithaca anyway on other business. She felt uneasy, almost trapped. Her antenna had gone up and had remained. Why the meeting today? That question dominated her thinking through the long, cold night. She saw her children off to school and made it to her campus office in record time despite the icy streets. Maybe his English accent and kind voice opened the door of her her usual caution. His invitation flattered her but slipping back into her more natural, suspicious nature. On the drive over, she could see the subtle manipulation. She had phoned him from the car to cancel. Too late. She couldn't reach him. Several hard raps on the door startled her. She fussed over the flower vase and in two quick steps reached the door. Gordon Tooth was the picture-perfect academic in his tweed jacket, the smoking pipe stuck between his teeth. He entered the room, taking the first step with his artificial left leg, tobacco smoke billowing in after him. Madeline took his arm and led him in. Before sitting, he removed his heavy overcoat and flung it over the back of the chair. He then folded into the seat with a groan, his false leg extended out in front at at an odd angle. "Thank Thank you so much, madam, for helping an old warrior like me, Toop said in a rasping voice. He held up his pipe. Do you mind? Go right ahead. His eyes strayed to the clutter on the floor. I must say, I like to see well-worked offices. Sorry about the mess. It's not usually like this. A sign of a productive mind. Madeline couldn't help staring at his prosthesis protruding from the end of his trousers. I should have explained Cynthia here, he said, grinning, patting it. It does make a rather distinctive sound. Korean War, named it after my second wife who died five years ago. I got a new leg to commemorate her. The first one I named Harriet after my first wife. She died in a plane crash, transporting some of the wounded boys after the hostilities ended. She was a physiotherapist working with the injured. With difficulty, he held his leg a few inches off the floor. Met her getting the first one of these. Suspect I won't need another. Madeline chuckled, some of her tension draining away. Anyway, we haven't properly met. Gordon Toop at your service, but Gordon will do for a colleague as esteemed as yourself. Thank you, she said, extending her right hand while rolling her chair toward him. I'm Madeline. His massive hand swallowed hers. Your call last night was unexpected. Sorry I had to. Say no more, Dr. Allen. It's quite all right been turned down before. I wanted you to know that my decision wasn't an easy one. She grimaced with a lie. I have triplet daughters, and their birthday is this week, so I'm afraid I... All is forgiven, madam. Then why am I here, he said, interrupting again. To give it another try, of course. Madeline started at this, but opened her mouth to say something. Please hear me out. I have some information I think just might turn that lovely head of yours enough to change your mind. Leary now, Madeline said, I'm listening. 
I've been I've been made privy to some information, an old discovery, rune stones, my dear, Middle Eastern rune stones. Madeline blinked at this as if she hadn't heard properly. Excuse me, what did you say? He leaned forward and removed his pipe from between his teeth. I'm here to speak with you about an old discovery, the Natural History Museum in Manhattan was once thought to house. She sat back into her seat, heart pounding, two bushy eyebrows elevated. My dear, are you all right? She regained enough composure to say, why should that be important to me? I mean, besides the obvious anomaly of rune stones found in that part of the world, do you have a date? We don't have the stones, he said, leaning forward in the chair again, examining her evenly more closely even more closely. No one knows how many there were, what they looked like, or anything about them. And we don't know where they are now. But good people believe in their existence, and rumor has it they are 5,000 years old. Oh, yes, I almost forgot another rumor. It seems that the glyph Thurzaz is mentioned prominently on them. Madeline closed her eyes reflexively. She knew the stones existed. Of course they did. And she knew their age. These were some of her most closely guarded secrets now being talked about openly. It was like this man had taken a lamp and illumined the dark crevices of her mind. No one could possibly know these things, not even the great Gordon Toop. Well, it goes on from there, and that's the first uh, uh, part of the first chapter of Veiled Memory. And thanks for allowing me to read that. I would hope everyone in the Wolfpack authors feels comfortable in Madame Perry's salon to to read some of the work because it's an honor for me, definitely. So for those listening, and uh, also say hello to some listeners out there that are messaging me, uh, Kristen and Connie, thank you all for listening. They are watching the work. How can you get the book? I am sharing right now on Twitter the link to buy Once Upon a Wolfpack on Amazon. Is it is it published yet, or is it? Is it cause I saw that it's a pre-order two ninety nine on Kindle right now. A special. It's it's available on the nineteenth. Okay. So um, so yes, I'm sharing the information on how to follow the blog, also how to learn more about um, on how to. Well, actually, this is I, I'm just fascinated by Lockwood Animal Rescue Center, and I've also shared. I just shared a link on Twitter, and I'm about to, sh- and also on Facebook, uh, a particular page called Wolves and Warriors, and it describes the similarities between a veteran and a wolf. And I would read it to you, but I think I'm going to let you read it yourself because it's a very powerful. Um, it's a short read, but it's a strong read. It's very powerful, and I. I wanted to say we have uh, someone else who's just come in here, uh, Z, or if you don't mind letting someone else in for me that's been here for a while. Uh, welcome to Madam Perry's Salon. I know you've been on hold for a while, so thank you for waiting and being so patient. And who do we have here? It's someone from the land of um, area code 571. 
Oh, I'm sorry. This is D. Uh, my phone, uh, my home phone just kind of died, so I called back on my uh, cell. Well, do you have any questions for the group, Z? Yeah. I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> do I have? <laughs> Jen, did did Jeff did Jeff share with you that we 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 often refer to him as our alpha? No, but oh, that's just <laughs> that's just, that's, just uh, that's just you know that's just being being silly. Now, technically. On the nonprofit <laughs> side of things, I'm I'm referred to as the president, so you know there's that, and that is an official title on on the on the you know formation documents. But you know whatever, you can just call me Jeff. It's fine. We call you boss. Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that. Um, if it's all right, if I could share some of uh some of my actual work that I put in that's not the foreword. Is that can we can we do that? Well yes, um because I know that you said um yeah this is Jeffrey, right? Because Jeff you've got yes. you, yeah. I don't see how you put this together when you just released a new novel on February seventeenth. Barely Oh I'm on it dog on it. Yeah, we're we're good. I'm I'm I stay busy. I'll tell you what. I'm actually I'm down in Detroit right now. I I own a I own a technical writing, uh, editing, marketing, writing company. And so I I'm I'm like uh, I don't know. I'm I'm just a busy guy all around. So. <laughs> I'll say, but uh, Demarco Writing and Editing. I see is, is your uh, business in the website for Demarco Writing and Editing is on. It's uh, it's Demarco Writer dot com, um, but okay. that that the anthology isn't about me. But I did I did write part of my story, and it's it's a prologue from um, to book two, Born of Chaos, uh, of the Ruler of Ashes series, and it's not in that book. This is just kind of something something on the side to go parallel with that story. Um, so are you ready? We we ready for it? Yes. All right. I'm going to kind of jump around here because that's what I do because I'm high strung. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll let you know when I'm jumping around. All right. And the title is Sasha, one of my characters um, in the in the series. Voices carried on the frigid wind howling through the pine forest. Sasha could hear their murmurs, their boots crunching through the snowpack, the metal rifles carried at the ready, clicking against belts and brass overcoat buttons. She did not want to kill them. She would try not to. They were neither guilty nor innocent, only soldiers of an ideal long since dead. The Russian government had violated its mandate to serve the people, a false flag of nationalism, an ideal now perverted, used up and cast aside as nothing more than a facade. Russia was not alone. All major governments had done so, Britain and France, the U.S. and China. They all vied for power in a global arena. The politicians, military generals, religious leaders, they were guilty. He's killed so many, Sasha whispered. We have to kill him. She raised the standard of the people, carried it with her. To fight, to fight those that were guilty, she would make them fight themselves. 
Inside the minds of these fallen leaders, the truth of absolute power was visible. They had been hand-selected by her and her brothers and sisters, those beings like her, something beyond human. The hope of a better tomorrow withered. These men and women, these righteous leaders, succumbed to the trappings of greed and power. Corruption. Humanity. At times, Sasha was ashamed she shared a part of her genetic code with them. Her, life, her rifle lay, lay ready to correct the mistakes of her past. Her body buried in snow, green eyes fixated on the tar- fixed on the target. The roving patrol of soldiers turned south towards a howl of another kind, followed by the soundless rhythm of paws moving stealthily along the fo- frozen forest floor. Perhaps today soldiers would die at the will of wolves, or vice versa. The radio squelched, Pavel's voice on the other side. Negative, wait for confirmation. From Sasha's position deep in the frigid site, frigid Siberian wilderness. She was inside her target's mind now, looking through his looking through his eyes as he read official email correspondence inside a palatial estate whilst whilst thick but billows of steam wafted up above the rim of his teacup. At any moment she could burst a blood vessel in his brain or cause a massive heart attack. But no, even her thoughts had a mocking tone to them. I've got to wait for confirmation. Now I'm gonna jump over uh I don't know, a few paragraphs. It's just a part I like. She lifted her head centimeters from her scope. The sunset shone wide across the horizon, dipping down in hues of crimson over platinum-crested treetops. Overcome, she pictured that she she was no longer buried in snow, a sniper rifle trained on another human life. She She wished this was not her lot. She could be a wolf, alone, free, and hunted. She remembered a hammer does not question why it's a hammer, nor does a wrench question why it's a wrench. Her mind acted as intermediary. Botchkov scrolling through a list of genetically altered humans living freely in the United States. She felt Pavel's mind as though he were sitting beside her, though he was miles away within a sealed bunker, writing down details, imprinting faces to memory. A low guttural growl broke the quiet in the distance. The wolves taunting their prey. As yet, no shots had been fired, no teeth sunk in the flesh. Check the two-line, Pavel said. Silence. Her mind drifted. The email. There was a mild concern in his voice. Sasha? Oh, right. She shook her head, pulling herself from the trance. Her mind shifted back to the target, assuming control of Botchkov's mind on the mouse. She clicked an instant treasure trove of intelligence, names of top operatives within the order. Happy now? Can I kill him? Wow, Pavel said, delighted at the discovery. See what else you could find. Her, her teeth gritted in frustration. Wait, she whispered, her mind drawn back to the pack. The soldiers were now surrounded on all three sides, the fourth side an opening towards Sasha's position. A foreign voice hissed in her mind. What are you going to do? She clicked transmit on the radio. Pavel? The receiver transmitted back only static. His volume rose to the point of pain, and she tore it from her head. The voice whispered once more. What is your wish, Sasha? And that's where I'll leave you. You're mean, Jeff. (laughs) I know. You too. (laughs) You're the tease, that's all. Um, Oh, yeah, yeah. Go buy the book. (laughs) Do you have any plans to uh, make Once Upon a Wolf Pack an audio book or... You know, I am actually set it not not that I've 
like gone so far, you know, it, 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 it's a, it's a pretty big book. You're getting a really good value for, for 15.99 for the paperback. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm holding the proof here and it's, it's like, it's like Bible sized. Um, but that being said, uh, I am actually setting up a recording studio in my basement. So I'm in, I'm going I'm I'm going to try my hand at at recording my own audio book and my my brother actually has a better speaking voice than than I do so he's actually offered to to do the narration if if mine sounds terrible. The group that I coach that I was talking about audiobooks is that now I'm on the road a lot, and so I like to have to keep me company. And I know, I know which truck stops have the best audiobooks. That they have a lot of David Bowie here, things like that, that or John Michaelre that I like to do or listen to. And it's uh, and it's helpful to have that to me because even XM Radio gets old after a while. So. Uh, hey, and uh, Writer's Magazine said, you know, audio's the way to go. So I think this is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I am so grateful to have uh, Jeffrey DeMarco, Z. Dotley, Lena Salis, um, the uh, Wolf Pack Authors Group. And the book is called Once Upon a Pack. You can pre-order it from Amazon. I've already pre-ordered mine. And I am oh, sharing good. the book everywhere. And I'm going to put it up on uh, Instagram later tonight. But I'll t- let everybody know on all of my social media, uh, probably for the rest of the week. Maybe next week I'll keep letting you know where to find it. And, and if you have any questions, let me know. Um, this is a fantastic group, and I'm also sharing their website to uh, the blogger, the, the blog spot page for Wolfpack Authors Stories, um, as well as LockwoodARC.org, uh, Animal Rescue Center. A, a magnificent group at, and, and rescue center there, and so that's uh, a great place to be. I thank you all so very much for being so generous with your time tonight and for your stories and what you're doing for Lockwood Animal Rescue Center and for our veterans. And if um, I, w- I would love to have you back for a part two anytime, you tell me, and we will all be here. I will uh, I will uh, shoot you an email here some sometime uh, towards the end of this week, and we can we can discuss that that very that very topic. Okay, terrific, and I thank you all great. I wish you all much success and uh, in everything with with Once Upon a Wolf Pack and with everything else that you're doing with your work. You are quite a fascinating group of authors. And so just remember, while you're working, you're doing good work, you're doing good writing to entertain people, you're always also doing good things for the veterans and for the wolves. And, um... Goodbye, Luda. Thanks.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.